Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are excited to have mother-daughter duo and co-founders of Mixed Rose, Carrie Schrader and Ashley Ammons, on our podcast today. Ashley and Carrie were the 37th and 38th Black female founders to close a venture round of more than one million or more. Their headquarters is in Birmingham, Alabama, which is where Delia grew up and where Allison lives. They came to Birmingham for the Velocity Accelerator at Innovation Depot, where they won the Birmingham Rise of the Rest competition. And this was started by AOL founder Steve Case. And Mixtros is the only business from Alabama to win the competition. They ended up moving their headquarters to Birmingham, and Carrie is an honoree of the 2019 CEO Awards in the Birmingham Business Journal, and they have won many other awards as well. Thank you for being here. Ooh, that sounds so good. You need to say that all again. I didn't even know who you were talking about. That's awesome. (laughs) We are talking about y'all, and Ashley recently won an award from Amex, too. Yes, I was going to say, we, there's all sorts of just like good stuff going on, specifically in a year like it's been. It's just like all of that coming is a blessing. So we're leaning into it. I know we have got to lean into any and all positive. So let's start right off. What is Mixtros and how does it work? Well, I'll do that one. So this is Ashley. Um, I am the daughter of the Mixtros team. Uh, Mixtros is an idea that my mom and I came up with like six years ago. And we came up with it simply because we experienced the challenge of networking um, in real time. And so networking is something that like evokes like a physical reaction from people. When you say the word networking, Harvard tells us that most people think of the word like icky or inauthentic or gross or like some other word. And it's because networking can just so often feel like you're trying to get something from someone instead of trying to make a true connection. And so my mom and I had backgrounds in HR my mom event production myself we experienced the problem ourselves and then we just started talking about what a solution could look like and we kept talking about it kept talking about it and we realized that the solution that we had come up with was different from anything else that was currently available on the market and so we kind of mapped out what it would look like and then we just decided we care the most to solve this problem and so we started this journey uh, realistically in January of 2015 and today our software is a software it's a tool that can be used anywhere that 50 or more people are gathered to increase engagement and collect data we work with a lot of large business enterprises everyone from you know Deloitte to Southern Company we work with um of uh, institutes of higher education. So John Hopkins, Emory, Babson College, you know, colleges all over the place. And then we just do general events. And what happens is people take a minute and 15 seconds or less. They access our software. They fill out a quick virtual name tag and then they answer a series of questions based on the way that they answer questions. Our software will then put you in a small group with two to nine others. And then once you get there, it will tell you why you've been connected, what to talk about when you get there or what you should work on when you get there. So we basically looked at the networking process from a sociological perspective, and then we removed the friction points so that we increased engagement among the attendees, but then also collected valuable data for the person who is our customer, the event organizer. So that is what Mixtros is. A common question that we get is what the heck is that word Mixtros? And we made it up. 
It just stands for mixer and introduction smushed together. And you guys will appreciate this. We put a Z on the end of it because we're a big fan of Spanx. Uh, Sarah Blakely is one of <laughs> Uh, aspirational entrepreneurs, I would say. And we liked how she put that X on the end of Spanx. And so we were like, okay, Mixtros has to end with a Z and not an S. And that is us. Don't tell my son that story. He thinks the Z is for Zachary. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did you, do you feel like you explained how the idea came about? I mean, I love the story that Ashley tells about, or, or either of y'all can tell about what people normally do when they're at an event and they have a break where they're supposed to be networking. Yeah, no, I can definitely go through that. Um, it, it's funny. One of the, one of the, reasons we came up with Mixtros is because it's something that we saw and felt and have experienced ourselves so many times that when you go to a networking event, one of three things happen. You either go with all of your friends and besties or colleagues that you already know and you stick together like glue. Mm -hmm. You go by yourself and you've already prearranged it or you have your fingers crossed that one of your colleagues or friends are there so you can do the eye contact and then stick with them like glue. Or the worst <laughs> thing that happens is you go to a conference and none of your posse shows up or it's something totally new and you're there by yourself without a already known connection. And so then people do what we have all seen over and over and over. Now they put their head into their smartphone and act like they're waiting for like the most important call <laughs> of their life to come in while they wait for somebody they know or somebody that looks like them or walks like them to come in the room. And actually it's called homophily, which is birds of a feather flock together. And so that's why so many times when you go into a conference hall or a classroom or inside a, a, a company, it looks like a bad Sadie, Sadie, Sadie Hawkins dance with males on one side, females on the other, or it's dispersed wow. by ethnicities and whatever. So. Um, that was truly what we were trying and not only trying what we have solved with to be able for no matter where you are within that run of show or during that event, if you're there, you deserve and, and we know people are looking for the opportunity to network with other people who are, who are actually at the event or on the Zoom call or, or Microsoft meeting or whatever it is. Because the one thing we know, everybody at that event or on the call or in the webinar, they have one thing in common for sure. Whatever the topic is of that um, particular event. And so then we're able to really help people connect across all of the attendees. It's fascinating. Homophily? Homophily. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think it's just so brilliant. It is. And one of the things when I was building my network in New York, when you were explaining the different scenarios, it definitely resonates with me because I had just joined this new group and I invited my roommate to come with me. And of course, I didn't meet a single person because we just talked the whole time. So after that event, I kind of swore to never bring anyone again because I really wanted to start meeting people in the city. Are y'all non-technical founders? Y'all aren't coders, right? Oh, no. I mean, let me just tell you, I think now, you know, some five plus years in, I know enough to be dangerous. But when mm -hmm. we first started Mixtros, I was fresh out of rehab. 
not that kind of rehab. <laughs> rehab for my uh, BlackBerry. I was a BlackBerry addict and I was still in my career. And every time it would break, they would say, hey, you're going to have to go to the iPhone. I'm like, no, you're going to fix that little round circle so or else I quit. <laughs> and so uh, zero technology for me. I, I mean, although Ashley was really... Uh, really very good versed in the Microsoft Office suite that had nothing to do with cell phone, smartphone technology. Mm -hmm. So we both came in pretty green. Oh my goodness. And so you've hired technical people to build the software. Yes. I mean, even that is a story in itself that we came up with this idea and I just recently stopped calling it a crazy idea because it is great, but it really did throw our lives in uh, just craziness. But we came up with it at the end of November 2014 and Ashley came home for Christmas 2014 and instead of us celebrating uh, the Christ child's birth, we were working trying to figure out what an app was and we stumbled across a CES, which I thought was a news station. Ashley's like, Mom, that's the Consumer Electronics Show. And it's in Vegas in a week. And wow. no, you can't go by yourself. It would have been really cool if you could go because this thing called App Nation is there. And Ashley was still working. So she had to go to Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. And so she couldn't go. And for some reason, although I had worked 25 years and was a pretty successful um, professional that had paid for her college. She didn't think I could go to Vegas by myself, <laughs> but I did. And that's where we came across our developers in Vegas. Our joke is, you know, whatever goes on in Vegas stays there, <laughs> but they've been with us from the very first piece of code until where we are today. So no, we didn't code. And I actually think that, it, that has served us well because we came at this solution as a practical human first and not technology. We were solving for issues that attendees have, organizers have, and even if there's a sponsor in play, something that would also benefit them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So how did you know how to start, run, and grow a company? You know, we say that everything that we learned is from the school of Google. Um, yeah. So, you know, like for anybody that's like maybe on the fence about starting a business or on the fence of maybe jumping into something new where, you know, they don't have all the pieces of expertise that they think they need. I would challenge them to uh, like explore online because realistically, entrepreneurs today are set up for a layup so much more than entrepreneurs 10, 15, 20 years ago were, were. to refer to Sarah Blakely again. When she started Spanx, she was literally going to the Georgia Tech Law Library physically to learn the things that she needed to learn about setting up her business. Today, all of that is in our pocket or at our fingertips. And so what you have to be willing to do as an entrepreneur is spend that time to dig and dig and dig until you find the answer that you're looking for because it's there. People have done this before and it's all about identifying people who you admire and taking pieces, parts of their journey and applying it to your own like it doesn't have to be like you're walking in the dark because there is so much content there's so many videos there's so many blogs articles white papers again you just be have to be willing to put the time in and I, I really I, I couldn't even begin to tell you 
how much time between Carrie and I we have put into just looking around like when an answer when something came up that we didn't have the answer for just going out there to search for it and then finding the answer and then moving forward with it you know a lot of entrepreneurship is quote unquote moving fast and breaking things but that is so true it's like you're not always going to make the exact right answer but it's the willingness to throw it out there see if it works and if it doesn't pivot quickly yeah and a lot of times the mistakes or the things that you think were going to work that don't, you know, you, you come upon something by accident that ends up being even better. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Oh, it is. I mean, this whole journey really is an experiment, right? And right. so what you want to do is fail quickly. And I, I think my background in HR specifically in manufacturing, all about that, you know, testing and, you know, let's, let's just go and do and see if it works and try again and, Whatever really, you know, has been helpful in this. It's really not a fail. It's really showing you what works and what doesn't work. And but you want to do it fast. Sure. Totally agree with that. Any networking tips for the people that are listening? I was gonna say my I think I have I have I think I have quite a few. So uh, I was gonna say because brush your teeth if it's live. uh, Stop mom. we we obviously this is something that we do quite often it's funny because i'm actually giving a presentation on uh networking this weekend so i'm gonna give y'all the highlight reel um from that on things that we uh certainly suggest so here's something i think that a lot of people don't know like when you want to network with people there is some uh like positioning to it like as far as your body is concerned and where you are in the room do you guys know like if you guys are at a networking mixer and let's say it's at a bar where is the best place to stand you think with the bartender no (laughs) um i would say in the middle by the bar (laughs) I like that one in the middle. So, <laughs> so the best place to actually stand is if you're at the bar and you turn around and there's a table directly off the bar, that's the best place to stand because the person that you want to network with has theoretically been able to get a drink, get whatever they wanted turn around and then that's the time that you grab them because they have all the things that they need and theoretically they're happy and open to conversation. I love Perfect. it. That makes perfect sense. Yes. So, you know, I think that that's certainly one. Um, Another thing that I would say is uh, do not, I think a lot of people end up doing this. So uh, being a speaker, so like my mom and I speak, like we speak often and it's funny because when you're a speaker, you see things from the other perspective. So when a speaker at an event and let's, you know, back when we were meeting live, when a speaker is giving a speech at an event, what happens when they come off the stage? People like bombard them. They have like a line of people getting up to talk to them. And that can be really overwhelming because more likely than not, as the speaker, you probably have to, I don't know, pee. Um, yeah, yeah. Get something to drink or what have you. And so when you bombard the speaker like that, you're not really stacking the deck in your favor because if they just had to meet 20 people in a row, the amount of stuff that they're going to actually be able to keep in their brain to say like, Oh yeah, I met Ashley. She does this. It's very low because they just got bombarded with so much information. So don't beeline to the speaker. Instead, look for the person that came with the speaker, make friends with that 
person because if you're compelling enough, they'll introduce you to the speaker and then that's a more compelling case for you. You'll stick out that way. Like I'm the person that like, if Barack Obama was somewhere, I wouldn't try to go meet Barack. I wouldn't, I would, yeah. I would go to meet well, Barack. Well, I would go to his chief of staff yeah. and yeah. I would be friends with the chief of staff because then I can get a meeting with Barack at a later date. I'm, I'm older, Delia, so I would go to Brock and be like, what's up? <laughs> I was going to say, she might do that. Uh, the other thing that I'll say, too, is follow-up is literally everything. Like, if you have a wonderful conversation with someone, it is nothing without the follow-up. And it is a meticulous and sometimes tedious process, but it can be so worth it. So I totally recommend writing an email that will work for almost everyone that you want, but finding areas that you can customize it to exactly what happened like I think of one conference in particular where I had this email template but at the bottom of it like highlighted it was like here's a memory jog I met you we're both from Cleveland Ohio or whatever it is right. so that you can specifically remember who I was what I'm talking about you know that kind of thing um, the other thing that I would tell people is be careful with those business cards specifically when we go back to face to face 88% of them get thrown away so that's just something for people to remember. Literally 88% of business cards end up in a trash can. So the people that you give your business card to, make sure you really intend to follow up because I think one of my pet peeves in life is people who just litter an event with business cards. Like they just walk around like here, 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 here. It's a magic thing. Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> it's like the difference between Tinder versus Bumble. Tinder's about quantity. Bumble is about quality. And so you want to think about it that way. Um, uh, the other thing, uh, well, here's a, here's a she really, she had a lot of wait, them. I did, I did. And I'm wrapping it up. Here's Thank another you. one I would say, here's my last two. Um, do not go to events if you can with people that you know, or if you do, when you walk into that room, intentionally separate from the person that you know. It can be intimidating for someone to walk up to a group of people more than it is if they're just approaching a single person. So just keep that in mind. And also keep in mind the people who, who are coming towards you and the people that you're going towards. That homophily that Carrie mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. it's real. And so you'll note that the people that you tend to go towards, they tend to look like you. And it's not just, you know, in color, it's, it's gender, it's the way you dress it's hairstyle it's all those different things and we do that naturally and so as humans that's something that we want to try to navigate against and then my last thing would be know your targets so when we're going to something big carrie and i like i'll do some like crazy recon on people so that i can figure out like oh like so i can like randomly pull out hey you're a Delta Zeta, aren't you? Or whatever it is, you know, so that we can just pull out a little nugget, like a tie that binds us together. Oh, you have kids in elementary school, whatever it is so that I know where to get the conversation started before I even get to that person. Because if that person is that valuable to me, they're both the works. They're worth the work. So really in art and science to networking, it's more than just like going somewhere for cocktails and bad chicken and wine. All I want to do is add two things. And, and everything, obviously, everything that Ashley said, yes, 100%. And also in our virtual world, when you are at an event and you are put in a group, hopefully with Mixtros, when you're put in a group, participate. You know, have your camera on. 
you be part of the conversation. Mixtros, of course, makes that easier because you're event organizer gives you conversation starters to start with, but be, be intentful. If you, if you don't have the intent to be there, you don't have the willingness, you should, you shouldn't be. But if you're slouching and have sleep and all that stuff, then really you should not be in a group call that day. And then lastly, you know, I'm always hustling mixtures. I can't stop. You need to tell every event organizer that you know and that events you are attending, whether they're live or virtual, why aren't you guys using Mixtros that will save me, the attendee, all of this awkwardness and trying to figure out who to talk to? You, as the event organizer, will gain real valuable insights based on those questions you're allowed to ask. And what the heck, if there's a sponsor, you'll be able to add value to their sponsorship as well. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Very, all of that makes so much sense. And um, Ashley, I feel like I'm talking to Delia when I'm talking to you because she would, when we go to events, she won't let me hang out with her. She says, we're going to network now. Don't come back to me until you have three people to tell me about. <laughs> I, I think her and Ashley are the same person because believe it or not, I Ashley has done that, especially in woo, the first three, four years, because even as a seasoned professional, and I am very confident and I'm extroverted, yeah. when we first start walking into these rooms of technology, people who have built computers, yeah. know how to develop, and mostly older white males, right. I, would, I would literally almost put Ashley in like a kangaroo pouch. because. <laughs> I can bounce around with her until I feel comfortable. And so again, you, we, can, we can bypass all of that by using mixtures. Exactly. The other question I have is, um, so about the follow-up email after an event, is there a specific, like you really need to do it within 24 hours or you know, do you have more leeway? What do you recommend about that? I try to get it done, I would say, within the, those 24 hours because, like, in that time frame, people are still, like, they've disengaged from that event a bit and have started to roll back into whatever was going on in their life before they had that moment. So I try to get to them rather quickly than, like, let it linger. And also depending on the time of the, the, the time of the week. I mean, if it's time a Friday, of week and yeah, also year. Yeah, because if it's a Friday and, and again, if it's virtual, live versus virtual as well, if it's live and it's a Friday, then you figure people are going home, traveling home, whatever, and you want to give them a second because that's all they're all you're gonna do is have an email that is like 45 emails down in their email because they didn't read it. Versus if it's live, that's I mean, if it's virtual, that's a little different because we're still doing and stuff in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. Really great advice. Not sending it over the weekend, especially. Carrie, what you were just saying leads perfectly into the next question. Mom, do you want to ask the next one? The tech well, and the non-technical founder? I can ask that, but I feel like they've already answered it. But anyway, what is it like working in the tech industry as a non-technical founder? First of all, let me say I love y'all because if you guys are not the exact or mirror, we're uh, <laughs> the same. Ashley does that. Mom, can you? Okay, certainly. Uh, if I can birth you, I certainly can ask the question. Okay. Um, you know what? I, I have to say, you know, anything, whether you're, it's technology, whether it's baking, whether it's accounting, whenever you enter something and you don't feel like you have the education or the, you know, the experience, it's a little off-putting. It's because I'm used to being 
pretty knowledgeable in my HR field as Ashley is with, you know, the events as you all are in in your vocation. So, I mean, it's a little off-putting, but I think this is where women, specifically women, we do have grit and we're willing to work and learn. And and again, Delia and I, we're going to give ourselves... No, Allison and you. <laughs> daughter. Yeah. Get it together. What you were talking about. Wait, wait, but this is funny. So I'm like, Delia, she just proved our point, but that's okay. Go okay. ahead. Allison and I, we bring actually five more points to the table because I think women in our generation, with our background, we also don't get uh, frustrated as easy. Mm-hmm. as a, a different generation, uh, mm-hmm. particularly with the two people we work with. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we can stay longer in and execute the plan and what have you. And so that's how you overcome it. And then, you know, as you get more confidence, right, then you can really go ahead and, and, and do your own thing. And then sometimes, again, you with, with wisdom comes, you know what? I'm going to swim in my lane how I swim in my lane. Yes. And I'm not going to worry about everybody else because if I'm so concerned about why people are saying, why don't you have a computer science degree? Why don't you have a so-and-so? Then I'm not focusing on what is important for us and for me to move our business forward. That is so true. And that can be applied to every, everyone in, in their life, you know, business or not. So important. Swim in your own lane. Yeah. What is the importance of one's network? Uh, you know, they, uh, my goodness, uh, this whole journey for us was done like, it, yeah, like having a good idea, like certainly that's a, a prerequisite, but realistically, this whole journey has been about who you know, who you know, and better yet, who knows you. So I, like, I don't think the value of network can be understated. I mean, a lot of companies that are very successful today, they had strong connections. That's how they were able to get partnerships done and grow their businesses in a significant way. You know, there are stories of people who just you know, did it themselves. But I would say most people that you see in the news or whatever, there was someone who gave them a hand and pulled them up. And then hopefully that person will pay that forward. I think that's how this goes. So, I mean, the network that we've built over the course of these last uh, what, six years is strong. Like, I mean, it's incredibly it's incredibly strong. You know, it, it stretches all over the U.S. I mean, even a little bit abroad. And, um, you know, it was done with intention. Like, I, I do remember the times, like, everybody can look at, like, you know, Instagram and, like, all those things. And, you know, you can have those thoughts like, oh, wow, Mixtros is really this, that, and the third. Well, I want to tell everybody, all of 2015, 2016, 2017, and half of 2018, no one was worried about Mixtros. No one cared what Carrie and I were doing. Like, you know, we might get a little, like, pat on the head every once in a while. But it certainly wasn't the bigger things that you're seeing now. And that's just all to say that this journey is very much a marathon. And so across over the course of that marathon, there have been people who gave us a water, a water break and a towel and like those kind of things. But like trust and believe like we're still running on it. So, you know, the network is an extraordinary thing. And it is really that pouring back into it because Carrie and I, I feel like are very intentional about when people reach out to us, like they take the time to reach out to us and say like, I'm a new entrepreneur. I just have some questions. 
we do it. And if we can't do it, we say that, like, I, I can't do it. Like we never string someone along because we know exactly what that feels like. I mean, we delivered a keynote presentation at Babson College, like maybe two weeks or so ago. And there were students afterwards who took the time to reach out to me. One of the students, she was based in the United Kingdom. I got her WhatsApp. She and I got on the phone. So, I mean, it's right. and I got her after we had our first phone call, because it was like, what, a 10 minute phone call, which that was no time, no nothing. Apparently what I provided to her was great for where she was, but like that really was not hard to do. I told her, hey, you have my WhatsApp now. If you got a question, send me a text. It might take me a minute to come to you, but like I'll, I'll get there. So, you know, I think just being really intentional about that and like helping the ecosystem grow for, you know, women, people of color, all that kind of good stuff. So the, there's nothing about the network that is understated. It is incredibly valuable. It is incredibly valuable, but I also have to say, as you are extending your network, you have to kind of be really quick at the people and organizations that truly are authentically networking with you and those that are just putting you off. And you have to learn sometimes to move your cheese. So everybody, again, wants to always know the person on top. That person might not be as interested in what you're doing or as intrigued. I, I believe every relationship, whether you're considered the top dog or the underdog, it should be reciprocal. And if you're not getting that, do not waste your time trying mm -hmm. to a form a relationship with any entity, person, whatever, that has given you every clear sign that they're not interested. So I trust them at their first word. But what I will tell you, we've had that happen. And as we've matured in entrepreneurship and we let those things go to the side, it is funny as you pick up steam, those very same people then want to network with you. Oh, yeah. Wait, and I want to tell anybody listening, if you just thought to yourself, do I do that? Yes, it's you. That's it's yeah. you we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little laugh. Because <laughs> it's true. Um, what is it like working for the two of you as a mother-daughter duo? And explain the millennial plus. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just a joy and a gift to work with. So I mean, I, I mean, Ashley should not have any downside at all. Um, I, I mean, A, if for the people who have worked with our company, our employees, which we like look at as extensions of ourselves and our many business people themselves, um, many entrepreneurs, we tell people when we're interviewing them, like this mother daughter thing is not what you think. Like, oh my goodness, we don't get mad at each other. Or if you say something about Ashley, then you know I'm gonna jump across the room and choke <laughs> you or something. It, I have to tell you, I always in my corporate career, early in my corporate career, I always worked for and with people who could easily distinguish between personal and work. And so even in my career was when I was the leader, I had people who worked for me and with me that actually we would go on vacation together and have an awesome, awesome time. But when we were back in that facility and we were getting paid for a job, I didn't pu pull any punches on what needed to be done. Mm -hmm. And so I think that has carried over in our relationships with the people who, again, support mixed shows, contractors, consultants, whatever. And then between Ashley and I, 
I actually was a single mom with Ashley. I got her and her, her father, we divorced when she was maybe four years old, four and a half, something like that. So I was a single mom with her for a few years. And so we've always, always had a, a tight bond and a very transparent relationship, not a, oh, she was not my best friend. She got her butt spanked. She put uh, Barbie shoes up in my nose. You don't do that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I was very much the mom, but we yeah. like I kept it real with her, you know, as we were navigating life. And so I think that has carried over to where we are today. Of course, I'm going to let her talk uh, so she you can hear from her how great I am. But as far as the millennial plus thing, I had to come up with something because every time we were on stage or there was an introduction, it was always like, ta-da, there's Ashley, the millennial. She has all the smarts. Uh, and then they were like, and there's her old mother who can <laughs> Her trick knee must be acting up today. And so one day, I think we were at Baldwin Wallace, actually, and I introduced myself as the millennial plus. And that just that's how it stuck uh, yeah. with that, because, you know, uh, Allison, if you're not a millennial, sometimes people just think you're truly not with it. But you can trust and believe me and Allison are. Thank you so much. <laughs> You know, I like it's been it's been an incredible journey. I, you know, my mom, like she said, we were close before we started this journey. And I mean, I think the really big thing, like before you get into a business with a family member, make sure and I know y'all know this, make sure that the foundation on that relationship is solid. Uh, and because you can't just go off the family thing. I think that when you go off, uh, when you start a, a business with a family member, it also has to be about the fact that you have great respect for them as a human, like independent of being your mom or sister or dad or whomever it might be. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that is, you know, I think that that is critical. I mean, I think one of the coolest things is really if I was doing this myself or Carrie was doing this herself, one of the things that one of the things that would have happened is my mom would have been the first person that I would call with any news like good, bad or otherwise. And in this scenario, we're just doing it together. So, I mean, what an extraordinary thing. So it, it has been really a great thing. You know, we took the steps to like understand how one another work. Like we know our personality types, like on the Myers-Briggs, my mom and I are like in the same quadrant, if you will, but we're still different, but we do see the world very similarly, but we find where one has you know strength or weakness the other one picks up the slack in each area so it has just become a really a great thing and it functions quite naturally but that's not to say every day over here is sunshine and roses it's not i was annoyed with her just yesterday in fact oh and today the great news is we live in two different places yes so <laughs> get to stepping old girl <laughs> <laughs> that's so true and day and i i was divorced when day was a year and a half so from one and a half to five, she and I, it was just the two of us. So I do agree with you that there is a certain bond that just that we had that in common. We have in common that we spent some, you know, important time together, depending on, you know, just the two of us. So that carries over into, um, you know, working together in, in such a close way. Yes, Absolutely. Being an entrepreneur is hard in all caps. <laughs> so what keeps you going? Uh, I think for me at this point, it's just like, 
I believe, you know, I believe in what we're doing because when I see it work and I see it, you know, connect people and all of that, it is really a, you know, quote unquote, magical thing to see something that came out of your head, just like out there in the world. Um, so, you know, I think it's a good product. So I think it's that. Um, and also I think at this point, I just really enjoy beating the odds because every odd that's been uh, set against us, like, you know, when we first started, people used to call us quad outsiders which is black female non-technical tech co-founders and so you know these days we're not that you know so <laughs> no you're not i think um you know i think that too and i think it's the ability to show other people that they can that other people who don't look like a typical entrepreneur let's say what does a typical entrepreneur look like mark zuckerberg okay exactly, exactly. So, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's the ability to show them, like be able to show them the difference specifically, obviously we all, you know, we've, we've all lived in Birmingham. You know, I think that there are a lot of specifically black and brown students in Birmingham city schools. Mm -hmm. And when I go into a school like that and they see an entrepreneur that looks like me who has dreads, who wears Nikes or whatever, like that just makes that journey a bit more accessible for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I have to say with, with Ashley, I like to find the odds. This feels like when I was um, studying for my master's degree, with just had been married maybe five, six years with my kids, his kids, our kid, uh, mm -hmm. working full time, trying to be in different committees and trying to matriculate all at the same time. And for me, it was different than my undergrad where my parents were paying. I felt like my reputation as an adult was at stake. And so it was like, I will achieve and get grades and pay, you know, get the highest stat test score, which I did. Um, which I did. Yay, um, it's one of those things. Like I, I'm into it. And to Ashley's point, because we didn't come up with mixtures like one day, we, we never were like having a brainstorm. How can we change careers and how can we make right. it? We just stumbled across the need and, and move forward with it. And it made sense that that is why I'm still in it. Incredible. That is incredible. And this is a question that kind of come that you and I have talked about a little bit. Carrie, how did you stay strong through any and all barriers, biases, et cetera, that came in your way? Because yeah. I know you have them as a woman getting your MBA and everything else. No, I mean, I, I got to say, like, I got to shout out my parents who truly had the attitude. My dad's whole thing was, Lord, I want to live long enough to see my children do great. And he was able to do that. And he also put us through school. I, like, I never thought, like, how am I going to get to school? And, you know, it's not that he was, we were a, a fluid family. He worked very hard to be able to do that. And, in fact, I just found, as I was going through my mom's stuff, a check that they wrote for one semester of mine at school, including room and board, which people would die to be able to. Yeah. Uh, what they paid and I had a six a single room but um that aside I just think it's something about I I do I've, I've always had drive mm -hmm. I, I've always never like felt like I can't do something even when it's hard 
I've been lucky that, you know, with my husband of 26 years, he has always been supportive with every crazy idea I, I come up with. <laughs> but although he's like, well, this last one was really crazy. You wanted to quit your job. <laughs> like, okay, and then let's let Ashley quit her job. And then let's have no income coming in the house because he had retired very early because he truly liked our children, loved them, and he loved cooking for them. So he retired early when we were bouncing around with my career. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, I think that's it. And then, you know, five years ago when you, I heard the cancer word after a um, mammogram, that also puts you in a whole different light of things. And, you know, thank God as I've just had my fifth year anniversary and I'm I'm doing well and, you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing beyond that. I'm cancer free. Cancer thing will help you really quickly figure out what you want to do and really kind of says there's no clock on getting it done. Like you don't have forever and ever. Like you can't say, well, I'm going to wait till I retire and wait till after I go to Europe and all of that. Like you got to live life every day, all day. And I really try to do that. Mm-hmm. At the style that binds us, we are all about actionable steps. So what are some challenges that you faced in growing the business and how did you overcome them? You know, I think uh, like I think that there was I think at every step of the journey, there was a challenge like there was some kind of a challenge, you know, that we had to that we just had to figure out, you know, I think one thing that we do really well is we don't feel the need specifically anymore to overanalyze every single little detail. Like when you're an entrepreneur, there's a lot to be done. And sometimes you have to accept that. um Sometimes you have to accept that um, you have to, you can hit everything at about 80% and that can be good enough to get it going. And, you know, I think for me specifically, like the perfectionist that I am, that you, um, that sometimes like I was looking to have things done, every single thing done at like 110%. So really like letting go a little bit and just like letting it be what it is. Like that was a hard lesson that I had to learn. Cause I swear I was like on the verge of driving myself crazy. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, like to take an opportunity anytime I'm able to speak on anything to say mental health is really everything. Like as an entrepreneur, you're predisposed to have a mental health condition like it's like percent higher than the general population or something like that and so the same way you work out your body I I think it's equally important to work out your mind as such like Carrie and I we both talk to a therapist just so that we have a space with a neutral person to talk about all the different things that are going on from a business perspective from a life perspective and everything else and I think that that's so important because sometimes this journey can be lonely it can be heavy you know all of those things so I think having a very prepared mind and body so that you can go out and attack the day with the vigor that you need to as a business owner mm-hmm. is very, very important. And uh, I remember one time an OBGYN told me that with my personality, I was going to get a lot of things accomplished, but I would probably, there would be, you know, I'd have like target physical areas, like it's either stomach problems or migraines, or, you know, it's going to come out some way if you don't, like you say, talk about it, talk to someone about it. So um, that's super great advice. The other thing that I'll say about challenges is this. Sure. Uh, these days, and it takes, let me tell everybody, don't, may, probably don't come out the gate just like this because like it takes a little bit of time to get there, I think. 
But one thing that I will say is at this point, I am who I am. Like I've been in this journey long enough where like I am sincerely who I am. And so because of that, I let people adjust to who I am. So like if I come in a room and I'm not what they're expecting, I'm like, well, I'm fantastic. I was smart enough to get in this room with you. So adjust to all the newness that I'm bringing your way. I think so often in the early days, Carrie and I did so much like, okay, we're going to meet with these primarily old white guys to talk about money. Like we have to adjust to who they are. We don't really subscribe to that anymore. We are who we are. If you like it, awesome. If you don't, we keep it moving. So I think that that's so important. I think that we waste a lot of time uh, sometimes being inauthentic instead of just living our truth. And so getting over challenges has to do with living our truth. I think in past, we tried to make up an excuse for, you know, not having a, a tech background or whatever and we don't feel more and it's very simple why we don't feel the need uh, to do that anymore um and if you guys can hear my dog just picked up something that's um that's jingling but anyway <laughs> we don't feel the need to do that anymore because realistically when you look at it us having non-technical degrees is the thing that allowed us to see the problem in a different way yeah if technical degrees I don't think we would have built mixtures in the same way and part of the reason why it's working is because it's um is because it's human centric and that has everything to do with the domain expertise that Carrie and I have so you know it's like there's no need to like make excuses or come up with reasons why you're not you know in this that or the third box all that means is you're not sitting down with the right person. And that could be an investor, a customer, or anything else. Mm-hmm. That, makes, that makes perfect sense. Don't try to fit in someone else's box. It, it doesn't work, first of all. Correct. Carrie, will you give me some of the things, the most important things you think, the takeaways from getting your MBA? Oh, I think the, especially because my MBA is a little dated, okay? So it's not like it was last year or the year before. But what it taught me was the ability to research. And when I did not understand something, that the answer was somewhere. And certainly the 21st century, as Ashley talked about earlier, everybody has the answer within their fingertips, within a fingertips reach. You just have to be okay with saying, hell, I don't know. Let right. me go for it. And so it taught me that. It also gave, it broke me out of my comfortable bubble of where I was in life when I earned that degree. You know, I had a beautiful home. I had, you know, my children were well-dressed and they went to great schools and we took great vacations. But I, I truly had blinders on, even in my career, like, you know, I, I'm, I was back in my home city that I grew up at and I was actually working at a, a Ford location. And so that, you know, wow, it was so super cool. People were like, oh my goodness, you know, she's back in the city in this role. This is so great. But I had blinders on to what was going on truly in the rest of the world and how I could impact it. And I'll tell you, over the course of that two and a half years of working on my master's, I, I became 
so in tune with the world outside of where I was that it was not even 13 days after I graduated with that degree that I picked my family up and we moved and we moved across country. We moved, like I, I switched jobs. My husband quit his job and he had 30 years and, and he was a salary person and a pretty great role himself and he became the house dad and we started our venture our adventures and it's funny you know when most people are finding doing that kind of thing and they're like in their early 20s I was in my 40s and we started moving our very first move from our hometown if you will I was maybe 41 and we've moved eight times since that's why I have gray hair <laughs> but that's why you're such an example to other women, both of us, the fact that, you know, it's never too late. No, you just got to be willing to put up the work. You also right. have to, again, you got to state your case. And I think that women, and for that matter, well, men always were, were able to do it. So what the hell, yeah. women? <laughs> Women, we have to be able to state our case and know our worth. Even when I first left my role at Ford, I got a 60% pay increase. Six zero. And wow. even with that, guess what? It was first, it was like 53%. And even back then, I was like, no, 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 it needs to be this number. And when they gave it to me, I almost like died. I was like, <laughs> no. But you, we got to start, we got to state our worth and be confident in it. And guess what? We don't need to know every single thing. That's why you build a team. Like, I got to tell you 100%, this is not a nicety. Where we are at mixed shows right now, where we would not be here without Ashley. The skill set that she brings into that detail piece, that marketing piece, I just don't have it. So you get you surround your people, you surround yourself with people that augment what you need, that complement where you are and where you need to go. Like the, the whole time, you know, 400 years ago that you need to know everything. A, it was a lie back then, and now it's a lie we don't have to live up to. Mm -hmm. Are y'all still having imperfect conversations or no? We're actually planning our next imperfect conversations for at some point later this month, uh, just before we go into the new year, talking about um, like we're, we're TBD on the subject still, but we want to do it. Um, we want to do it before the new year. And also we have some really exciting, exciting product releases coming. And so we'll be able to test all that at once. You know, that's another entrepreneurial thing. You learn how to hit a couple birds with one stone. Mm -hmm. hey, oh, gosh. Okay, so for those who are not familiar, what are they and how can people join? The conversation. Yeah. So we will be sharing about it like on our social media. So we are at Mixed Rose across everything. And that's M-I-X-T-R-O-Z. And we also share it out to our newsletter list in particular. So, you know, it will just be kind of an open invitation for anybody who is available to join and what they are. And this is actually the brainchild of Carrie, but we saw what was happening in in the world, you know, in June of 2020. And, you know, that was the time when we were faced with the two greatest pandemics that are going on right now, which are, of course, COVID, but then also the story of Black lives in America. And so we looked at the software that we have, which is used to connect people. And we thought, what can we do 
as business owners that's that's positive and powerful and it is create dynamic conversation and so we hosted these imperfect conversations where we invited people from everywhere to join to talk talk about just various topics with people in the safety of their home and they went very very well because people were connected on similarity and difference shown where their similarity and difference was and then able to engage on that and it was so funny because we had scheduled these events to be 45 minutes because we hosted them like in the evening, um, you know, on a work day, school day, and people actually ended up staying in those small groups like an hour over the time, like completely flustered when the rooms closed out because that's what we said. We were like, nobody's going to stay in these rooms till 9 p.m. Well, that was false. And we got all the emails and text messages and whatever. And we were just like, wow, look at that. Yeah, it was awesome. It was so memorable. Can anybody join? Yes. Yep. We, this is something that like every once in a while we like to do. It seems like the appropriate time to do it, you know, as we're coming up to the end of year. And it's another way that people can see our technology at work. Right. For the record, Mixtros does not really host events. We, you know, sell our platform, the usage of our platform for other people. But to Ashley's point, this summer, it was just like, you know what? We have the technology and Lord knows people need to start talking to each other. So there's a lot of ideas that I have brewing that will do imperfect conversations. Again, to get people talking from the safety and sanctity of their own home about hard topics. And if we can just each listen 20 seconds to each other, perhaps we will understand. And I have to tell you from, we've done it twice, right? Yes. The feedback that we have gotten is just crazy of A, people who really connected and kept the connection going, but people from all walks of life said, you know what? I really didn't understand what they were talking about before Mm -hmm. I had to talk with them. And so- um, again, I see a lot of potential for this particular imperfect conversation. Same, definitely. We we got so much out of it. It was fascinating in the beginning. Everybody was very polite, and you know, you gave us our questions to ask, and we appointed the leader. And then by the end of it, we didn't want it to be over. We were all you know fast friends and had a whole no respect for each other, which is wonderful. Um, the thing about it, so for Mixtros, it's mainly 50 plus people, so it's larger events, but this is a way that individuals can experience Mixtros, correct? Yes, exactly. You know, we look at it as an opportunity for someone who's been hearing about it, hasn't tried it, but really I think it's that altruistic thing that comes along with it. Like here is an opportunity to come out of your comfort zone. And I mean, here's an example I'll give. So obviously, um, and I'm going to do this as like non-politically charged as I can, but I think this, this uh, example I'm going to get is going to illustrate things. Well, it's so, going to be a good one. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> I'll say, so, you know, obviously we just went through quite the election season. Yes. You know, there was a, quite the divide. Um, I am from New York, so I lived in New York City for a very long time, and for those reasons and so many others, like, I really, I I just really value what's happening in the Democratic Party, so blanket statement there. So, I got sorted into my Mixtros group, and remember, I'm a founder of Mixtros. I talk and look at homophily and bias all the time, Mm -hmm. but I actually ended up in a group 
with three white males. And I was pretty comfortable with white people. I am because my stepfather is a white guy. Great. Uh, I was going to say my current BF is a white guy. So, So I'm here for it. But I, I ended up in this group and there was one guy in particular and I made such a snap judgment and I thought, I was like, how in the world did I end up in a group with this person? And it was so funny because as the conversation got going, not only did I discover he actually, um, he is like, uh, like he does something at a church that we know the lead pastor at this church. So we had that connection. But then in addition to that, at a certain point, like he moved the angle of his camera and he was sitting next to his girlfriend who happens to be Uh African-American. And I was just like, Ashley, this is also a reset check for you. You cannot ever just look at someone and assume you know their story or where they're coming from. And so, you know, that was really an awakening moment for me even where I have learned to continue to check my own biases. And it's so funny because since that first conversation, like me and his girlfriend have had a sidebar. Uh, Actually, he he and it was his girlfriend then. It is today his wife. And, you know, I like, you know, on Facebook, Facebook and whatever, I was like, congrats, guys. Yes. So, I mean, it's like all of that happened from just being open. Right. It cost me no money. It cost me no nothing. It was just going into something and being open about it. Because I swear, you just never know what you will uncover about somebody. And even if you disagree with them on whatever the subject matter might be, I find that when you are willing to have the conversation, you can do so respectively. And that's what we're trying to do here. Right. I think so too. We were having a conversation with these two women. It's a white woman and a black woman. They, they're, they've created a, um, a platform called the Ken's women. And it's about, you know, we're more alike than different. And the white girl, when she first talked to us, she admitted later, even though that's what she's doing for a living is trying to bridge the divide. She said, just hearing your voices speaking, um, you know, with a Southern accent immediately, I decided you were racist. Mm. And, and those kind of things. I mean, it's a, just to be able to say that and she apologized. I was like, don't apologize. It's fascinating to me, but it makes sense, you know, and this is why we have these conversations. So now, you know, not everybody from the South is that way, even though you think you know it, but you don't even realize what your brain, you know, is transmitting these ideas that you're getting, um, you know, you know, in a literal way, but in an emotional way, you're still reacting that way. And then quickly along that line, what are some things that you'd like for allies to keep in mind? Oh, I wait. Oh, me, wait, me and Carrie both looked up. We're like, wait, what? Like, uh, to make yourself comfortable. Well, no, well, first of all, I have to say to y'all, and this is something that I have felt about to you guys since the moment that we connected with you. One, thank you for asking a question like that. Like, thank you for being like open and asking that question and making this like a safe space to have these conversations, because frankly, we all need to be able to have these conversations. Like race is not taboo. Like being able to have these conversations is a positive thing because it creates greater understanding. So with that, you know, I think the biggest thing to remember as an ally is you're going to mess up. You are going to say the wrong thing. You are going to offend somebody. You're not going to use the right pronoun. Whatever it might be, it's going to happen. But allyship is not a finish line that you cross. It is a lifelong thing. And so you just have to remember that although you may make a mistake, 
Like, keep at it because the race is never going to be finished. Your allyship is something that you will then pass on to your children. They'll pass on to their children, and then the world will be in a better place. So just know the mistakes are going to happen. Somebody somewhere is going to be offended, but that's okay. What matters is you hear what they're saying, why that hit them wrong, and then you proceed. You don't take offense to it. You don't get super fragile. You don't go into a shell. You don't stop being an ally. It's just mm-hmm. part of the journey. And then one other thing I'll say, and then I'll throw it over to Carrie, is mm-hmm. like allyship, like that should have been one of Webster's the dictionary's words of the year. The word of the year this year was pandemic, which is unfortunate. But the <laughs> word should have been, one of the words should have been allyship because yeah. You know, this is the first time I think that word has just really been like of the moment. Like a lot of people are talking about allyship, how they do it, all these sorts of things. And you have to remember, because I I saw like about mid-June. So allyship had been a thing for about two weeks. And mid-June, people were like, we are so tired of talking about allyship. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, guys, take a step back from that statement for, because the people that you have been being an ally for, like me, for example, I've been suffering in this way for three to, for 33 years, mm-hmm. one month and a several days. Right. So keep that in mind. Right. But, exactly. So, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. That's such a thing. And I'll never forget. And you weren't even saying it to me. You were saying it to Jen Ryan, but you said, mom and I can't be your Gail and Oprah. You know, you can't just say, okay, I have a black friend, you know, yeah. whatever it is you there's there. It's not about friendship first of all, but Anyway, I know I just threw out a very loaded question, but, and we don't have a lot of time, but Carrie, which I want your input as well. Yeah, I think there was a great question. And again, allyship is kind of like engagement in my HR career. Employee engagement does not mean that when somebody comes and asks me for a new car, I just whip out the company checkbook and give it to them. Mm-hmm. It's truly being transparent and authentic, letting them know the, how the ship works, why we do what we're doing, and not just say, because I said so. So I feel that way about allyship. That it's not that we're going to agree and that you need to agree with me because I'm a black female, mm-hmm. or I don't need to bring my A game because I'm a black female. Yes. But if you're going to be an ally, you shouldn't expect for me to bring my A++++ game and you're accepting a C-plus from somebody else. Yes. It needs to be really, what are you doing to help break down those stupid barriers? And yes. even to some people, and we've had this, like I, I got to tell you, again, I'm not colorblind. If I was colorblind, then I wouldn't even know black or white or any of that. But, and I, and so I am very aware of my friends of different colors. Mm-hmm. I really though try as hard as a human can be. I take people at face value first mm-hmm. because there's black people that would have me killed without thinking twice mm-hmm. as would a white person. And especially in my multi-race family, I've always taught my kids that like, don't just jump on somebody because they don't look like you. Cause that'd be the very person that helps you and vice versa. Just because somebody looks like you doesn't mean they're for you. So you have to really read the book 
before you make a decision. It's content of character. He said it a long time ago. So what, what I say to people is, if you're really an ally, be an ally even when I'm not there. Woo! Yes. Say it again. Yes. Say it again, Wait, sir. guys, this is when we bring out our <laughs> Right. Okay. Seriously. Seriously. Anyway, I'm about to sing a gospel song. To I know. I know. Be an ally when I'm not there. When you're with all of your friends of one color, yeah. one mindset, and somebody says something that's ridiculous, then yeah. you should be able to shut it down. You shouldn't yeah. be like, okay. I mean, so again, it's no different than you would say with your children. Be, yeah. be who we are no matter who we're around that that's what that's what a real ally is and an ally will also open a door that's appropriate for me to go into again mm -hmm. i am big on you gotta earn your right to be in the room first of all you gotta know what earning your right is and that right has to be the same for everybody for yeah. everybody i don't believe in Oh, just because, and, and again, you know, when you think of Title VII and the things that I'm very aware with, aware of in my HR career, I used to tell my colleagues, the worst thing that you can do as you all white males who really don't want to hire this black woman anyway, is hire a black woman who is incompetent because now you've given yourself the ability that anybody who comes up behind her or him, quite frankly, you can say no because we hired somebody and it didn't work out. Right, that's yeah. right. We already got one. Yeah. You should never that be happened. We already got yeah. one. And yeah. so, as you can tell, our, our voice went up and like I sat up. I was just like, well, I hear you. Totally. Well, you know why, ladies? Because I have to tell you honestly, my life has been a charmed one. I have been born into black privilege. We talk about white privilege a lot, but black privilege is my, my mom's parents paid for her education. My mom then turned around, my mom and stepdad then turned around and paid for my education in full, which afforded me the opportunity to go to New York debt-free, which has afforded me these opportunities that I'm living right now. And, you know, I like I just I just go back to the fact that without all of those things falling into place, this story isn't even possible for us. And that shouldn't be in 2020, you know, where we are. So and we shouldn't be looking at a list of under 100 black females, uh, much under 100 black females that have raised a million dollars forever, ever, ever. And the last thing I'll say about what Ashley just said, my parents set me up and me setting her up. And hopefully right now she has a cute little dog, Lucy. She's trying to set up the children. No that there. <laughs> but my story in the United States starts on a plantation that's only about 120 miles northwest of where we are right now in Alabama in a, a little obscure place called Cherokee where the Barton... A hall plantation is and I actually visited it probably 15 years ago at during one of our family reunions where I had the ability to go see where my ancestors landed when they were being drugged from Africa so it's really sobering it is wow. very sobering and it's sobering when you told me um it's it's enough of this with with women in general but when you would go to apply for a job and you were certainly, you know, the only one applying for it that had the MBA and everything else. And still you had to be the smartest person in the room to even get in the door. And that is just, you know, that's so difficult to, to live with. 
Allison, I got to say this real quick, and I know we're winding down, but my favorite story is in uh, one of my roles, I won't say which one, mm -hmm. I w normally was the only woman at this level, certainly the only woman, probably the only black person. I had one female colleague in this particular thing, but she wasn't in the room at this time. So we're in a executive room around this big old oak table, walnut, whatever the hell it was, shiny table. And it's the executive room and there's probably 16 white dudes, old white dudes, 17 old white dudes, and then there's Carrie. And so for some reason, before we started going through the meeting, the person at the top, again, don't wanna give out anything of what job this was, the person at the top says, they started talking about what colleges they went to, right? And so, you know, oh, I went to Stanford. Oh my God, I went to USC. Oh, Harvard here, Yale over there, <laughs> Princeton. You know, so they're going around the room and I swear I'm like, Carrie, do not pay them any attention. So I um, am doing whatever I'm doing and they get to me and they said, so where, where did you go? I said, oh, I went to Kent State. I said, I went to um, Kent State for my undergrad university at Kent, Ohio, as well as for my MBA. And seriously, one of the people at a very high level mm -hmm. said, <laughs> and before I knew it, and see, this is how my tenacity works. Sometimes my mouth and my brain don't connect. Mm -hmm. And they, he caught me when it was not connecting. <laughs> and I said, and ain't that pretty damn funny? I'm sitting at the same table with you. Oh, that's, that's, one of my, that's one of my favorite. I'm like, that's a story there. Oh my God, that's a story. Yes. Oh, that's, that's a story. Yes. So no, that's sometimes those are the things you have to put up with and you push through them. And then you know what? You try to make the world better. Yes. And so I think that I have done that. We'll continue to do yes. that. And I'm happy to know you all because you guys are doing that same thing. And again, we throw around these words, allyship, inclusivity, and all of this stuff oh, like it's Wait, nothing. sorry, y'all. See, I just had, I had a daughter brain fog. I didn't finish my other thought. My other <laughs> thought was what I was going to tell y'all about the black privilege part is, so I've, I've lived this privileged life and I'm aware of that. And I know that for many reasons. And the first time that I felt discrimination was when I was when I became an entrepreneur because that was a space that really wasn't ready for us yeah. yet. But they didn't know that like where there was a brick wall, I also have a jackhammer. Where <laughs> wait, where there was a door closed, I also own an axe. So they just weren't ready. So that yeah, was the second it. part to that. That is so that's just such that just makes me so excited. It's kind of like when Kamala, Kamala Harris said, "I might be the first, but I sure won't be the last." Amen. Amen. And so what you're having to know? Wait, style that binds us. Y'all will appreciate this. So my next tattoo, I just broke this to my family last night. So I have one. I'm very big on like very small, tiny tattoos. But everybody, I get a big one across my back. And but this is that a stop. But this is me. Everybody, do you? So I'm thinking my next tattoo, I'm pretty sure if I can muster up, it's going to be behind my ear, very small text. And all I want it to say is I'm speaking. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. And right now you might be in a small group of speakers, but you're speaking very loudly and you're setting the stage for so many more people. And that's got to be exciting. It sure is. Oh my goodness. And what did y'all say? Content is character? 
Oh, it's yeah. It's about the instead of the yeah. Instead of the, it's not about the color of the skin. It's about the content of their character. That's what you should be judging people off. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. And the more you know about them, the harder it is to not do that. Exactly. And you know what? Even like if people could just understand again, me and you look at all the stuff we have in common. I really didn't realize. Or divorce when she was a year and a half. I'm telling you, Ashley was three and a half, four when I started yeah. going through it. And then we did our thing, and then we got remarried. And you know, just our travels, we look so different. Yeah. We, you know, because you are so thin that I could kill you. No, but I'm not. Something else. I'm trying hard. <laughs> Me you know, too. We are different things, but we are the same people, and that's why we can meet for lunch, and that wh- that's why we can laugh, and that's why we can talk about our daughters behind their backs. I mean, because <laughs> it's just like you got to get to know somebody before you make these assumptions, whether it's skin, whether it's their dialect, whatever. And you know, I, I will come in and out of a. I try to be cool talking. And it's funny how people will look like all of a sudden I've lost my credibility in front of the group of people in the the boardroom. It's like, no, I'm the same person. I Mm -hmm. actually can talk to many different people. And guess what? You should try it too, Fred. Absolutely, Fred. (laughs) Guess what, though? We love all friends. That's right. That's exactly right. You do you, for sure, in some ways. But yes, I feel like we, even before we ever got to meet in person, we had gone through a lot together. We started our friendship in COVID, and then, you know, you lost your mom, and then Jerry lost his daughter, and... So right. many, and then the right, oh, so many things. So you got put in a mixtures group with Jerry, right? Oh yeah. my gosh, and we didn't know. Look at that, and you did not know. We didn't know till after. We were like, we love everybody, but we really love Jerry. And I think it <laughs> said, that's my dad. And I was like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Or my stepdad. So yeah, that was really great. Just so great. At the end of the day, Mixtros and why Mixtros is so relevant and working well and really does have a crazy marketplace in front of us is we weren't looking to start a business. We didn't know anything about starting a business. We don't have any role models in our family that were entrepreneurs or business owners. My parents, their number one objective was to get us, me and my three siblings, educated college educated that was it and so and then then the expectation was go and work somewhere very hard until you die and make sure when they say (laughs) they say before she died here she did a really good job so (laughs) they were that that was it so mixtures landed in our lap because we saw the problem on the very same weekend we always say which is i was gonna say jokingly but it's the truth if we both would not have seen the need on the same weekend if ashley would have ever called me and said hey i'm about to quit my job and start some kind of tech thing And um, I, that's what I'm about to do. And if you could throw some money in, that would be great. I would have had her hospitalized. And then I would have <laughs> walked to New York to see how they had her locked up. So, you know, we, that's how Mixtros came to be. We went in very, very, very naive. Five more varies on top of that because we had worked like if you go and you do the work and you follow through, success will come to you. And, you know, people will say, this is great. And it'll come. And we never had like a, this is a get rich scheme. It was just like, okay, I guess this is how business is going. This is a great idea. And we're going to work hard and get it. It was not mm-hmm. that way. And, you know, we can certainly 
talk about people already know all the dismal statistics on women in entrepreneurship, black women in entrepreneurship. I'm going to throw a non-millennial in entrepreneurship, (laughs) you know, raising the money. And again, were we in a blessed position that we could afford to uh, bootstrap? We're just putting money in. But, and let me just butt in that blessed position wasn't by accident. It was by design. It, it was, it come as a result of, it came as a result of education and financial literacy to be able to save money, which my parents passed on to me. So let me just say that. Go ahead. There's no rich uncle sitting somewhere. No, there's no rich right. uncle sitting anywhere. I, we bootstrapped. I bootstrapped. Ashley put on a sandal. Uh, but, you know, we got the money together to get this thing started. And then within a year, we were able to raise another $200,000 from our friends and family when Black females were raising $36,000. But even $200,000 that we never got all at once is a teeny tiny amount. If you think about even headlines you've seen on the news on tech startups specifically, that is nothing. But our friends and family that uh, put in their money, they were betting on the jockey and not the horse. Like I never went to them with BS like, hey, let's try this and let's do this. So and they saw it, even though we had it on posted notes. But what I want to get to really quick is when it comes to that next level of fundraising. And oh, by the way. I did exactly like my ancestors did. Like, seriously, you know, that where you get cornbread from. It's not that cornbread was a rich thing. They had to take the resources they had and make right. food for their families. That's what we had to do because that $200,000 lasted almost two and a half years. Wow. That was building out our tech. That was Ashley and Carrie not getting paid. No pay coming into the house. I already told you my husband had retired. So yes, we understand. That was, Yes, 100%. Um, And it lasted that two and a half years. And so then when we started hearing this fundraising thing, which, hell, you know, other than like muscular dystrophy and Jerry Lewis and stuff, I was like, okay, what is that? You know, I'm going way back in the day. You remember you used to- I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, right. And I really didn't know. But again, I thought, well, once they told me about it, I was like, well, hey, it's been a pretty good idea. And me and Ashley have done a lot with a little, and we actually had clients, big clients that had used it and you know our little thing was working and you know it wasn't the best but at the end of the day we only had 200 maybe two hundred fifty thousand dollars in it but we had you know do it but when it came to this fundraising thing i'm a living testimony stuff that you've read in the harvard business review and in the princeton reviews and all of the other places that women are asked different questions than men prevention versus promotion yes true is 100% true. It's mm-hmm. true that people look, it's just like we know that depending on how you present yourself, even, you know, as a woman or a man, if you're slender and you're well put together, people will approach you different than if you're sloppy and maybe right. a little heavier. Yes. I can tell you with one of the, the very first event we did for pay, we pay a couple of men to go with us to help us set it up because we had to do this kind of stuff back then. They had on Mixtro's t-shirts. Ashley and I had on Mixtro's t-shirt. Every single person who had a question went to those two guys. And then wow. they say, oh, but this isn't our business. We're with them. And literally, like, I'm surprised they didn't have an ambulance running from the <laughs> to the hospital because people are like, them too? <laughs> 
And so it, it, it really is. And, and so the fundraising, when you hear somebody, when we started in Velocity and Innovation Depot, they had said, you'll get a hundred no's before you get a yes. We were like, that's insane. We just won Rise of the Rest with Steve Case, the AOL guy. Plus we have a product that's working, you know, plus we've done this with a little bit, da, 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 da. No way. I swear we were at person 792. (laughs) I think I'm going to slip my wrist. It's way too hard. It's way too hard. It's way too hard. And again, those are the things I'm hoping that our little journey is impacting for other people's journey to be more not easier, like like nothing worth having is easy, but you also shouldn't have to be in a bloody fight. Right. And then as far as where we're looking at and what we're doing today. Yeah, you know, uh, it's an exciting time for us. We, we recognize today that we have stayed in the journey, like we've stayed the course in this journey. There were a lot of times where it would have been easier to give up and to go back to my nice six-figure job, Carrie's nice higher-paying six-figure job, <laughs> and be done, frankly, because, like, at some point, it was just like, dear God, like, this is, like, this is too mm. much. I feel like it was moving, and it was, you know, like, I literally went through a depression during this, and um, it, it, it just proves that, like, life prepares you for what is prepared for you, but to get to that place, you have to stay the course. It usually is not you doing a sprint to get to the ultimate goal. It is more often than not you staying the duration of the marathon Mm -hmm. to get to where you're trying to go. So, you know, this year, at the beginning of the year, our initial market was literally decimated because we were live event focused, but yes, we knew yes. enough what to do when that happened. It was, okay, it's time to accelerate our virtual feature to meet a new market need, which we were correct in making that assumption. So we did that. And over the course of the summer, we experienced 300% growth. And now we're um, at the, we're rounding the corner on closing another significant round of funding so that it is actually time to scale. So as we look at 2021, we're excited because we're essentially ahead of the market. We now have a hybrid offering, which will meet the need of where the gathering space in general is going. Now, when people are doing work or play, it will be some level of hybrid. Some people will be there in person. Some people will be there virtual. And now we can service all of that. And I mean, it is just it's an exciting time for us. But again, we had to stay through all the lows to be on this high. And still, even at this quote unquote high, there are still lows. But you are able to reach so many more. So many more people can attend these events now. I mean, all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing. Absolutely. But I think that's great advice because like you said, it's a lonely place. It takes years, not months. It takes years. And when things don't work, you know, you're like, maybe we should just give this up. Maybe we should give this part up. What are we doing? No one's, no one's responding or whatever it is. You just have to, and always there's some little nugget that keeps you going. Ooh, I call it a gift from God. And that's where you and I ser- seriously are blessed. I'm not even going to call it luck mm-hmm. to be like uh, generic. It is a blessing that we have children Yes, that we not only can look at as accomplished young women, but to be able to call them co-founders 
is truly a privilege to work with them. You know, it's one thing to be a mom, even at their age. And, you know, there would be so many times we would just see them for the holidays or hear about a new mm-hmm. But because yeah. we closely with them, I do believe you and I both are fortunate to have a bond with them and now you and I with each other. So when they act yeah. crazy, we have yes. a to take it. A yes, 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 yes. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Have a safe place. That's it. Well, y'all are just incredible, and we are <laughs> proud to know you. Absolutely. Well, so. I was gonna say right back at you. This hustle yes. is real, and I do think the four of us just share something. We're like, if you don't know, you don't know. I, I do think we got a like a long weekend vacation in the future. Right? I think that yes. Would be yes. Of- yes, 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 yes. Yes, we definitely got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I would Most love that. definitely. So where can people find Mixtros? Yeah, we're across all the social media platforms at Mixtros, at M-I-X-T-R-O-Z. You can keep up with, I mean, it's a smash up of business and personal stuff because as y'all know, it all blends together. Yeah. Um, and then you can keep up with Carrie at the Mill Plus, at the Millennial Plus across social. And then me, I'm at She Mix A Lot across social. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find us. Like literally, I'm so excited to post about this CNN that just came out just now. I can't wait to see it. Oh my gosh, I'm a news nerd. Every single morning I read CNN top five. So I'm like, well, I'm, I think I'm good for today then. And you're going to be it. Right. Exactly. Um, and then I get a newsletter from you, right? Yes. I know I do. Yes, you do. People can sign up for the newsletter. On our homepage. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Okay. And last but not least, mom and Carrie had a phenomenal conversation. So head over to the style that binds us YouTube channel. I'll put the link in the show notes as well, but they talk about the joys and frustrations of (laughs) after 40. Yes. It's a lot about still being in the workforce too. And, and, you know, being entrepreneurs and starting something new at our age, as well as how interesting it is to work with your daughter. And we may have talked about hormone patches. I'm not sure. But yeah, I think we might have. <laughs> thank <Yeah>. God for them. <laughs> All right. Thank everybody for joining us today. Thank, thank you all so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. If you like what you heard, tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.